37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up everybody, welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 212. And on this episode, I find myself alone again. That's right, folks. Your old buddy boy, Sean, is flying solo on this episode, just like episode 210. But it's for a pretty good reason. Uh, First of all, Steve is on vacation right now. He and his girlfriend are enjoying a lovely trip in a cabin up in Colorado, And this is a very much-needed escape and vacation for Steve and his girlfriend. And so I just want to say I hope you guys are having a good time. It looks like you are. And please just do me one big favor, and that is enjoy yourselves because you deserve it. Now, next up, Preston again is MIA because the jack wagons that installed his internet out in the boonies wherever the heck he lives on his weird duck farming plantation didn't seem to get the internet installed correctly after coming out to replace the equipment that was damaged by a recent storm. That's right, everybody. A big old bolt of lightning landed right in the middle of the duck daddy's farm and blew up his internet. So he called the people that he gets the internet through. Uh, I believe he gets satellite where he lives. They came out, replaced a bunch of crap, and apparently every other day for a week, this Shit's just been uh, turning off by itself and losing signal. So, unfortunately, not only is this episode coming to you guys a little late, but uh, (laughs) we plan to re-record this episode today on Thursday night, and his internet went out again. So, Presto Buddy, I uh, miss you, and hopefully we can catch you again this weekend when we record episode 213. Please, internet gods... Give us a little luck, because I really want to record a real episode sometime soon. But anyway, it's just me, myself, and I on this episode, and I am feeling better than ever. Um, This whole COVID crap has not come without its headaches, uh, literal headaches. I still get some really bizarre migraines every once in a while. Um, But otherwise, I can smell probably... 50% of the things that waft in my general direction, and I can probably taste about half the stuff I eat, which is a huge, huge step in the right direction compared to how things were like even a week ago. So the only thing that kind of sucks with this is not being able to smell is such a bizarre alien thing. Like, I don't know when the trash has gotten bad. I don't know... Uh, If there's a dirty dish in the sink that's, you know, just stinking up the joint. Uh, Sometimes I forget to start the dishwasher and have no idea because I can't smell the funk. Um, It's also pretty nice because I can't smell farts, so that's pretty neat. I can just, you know, crop dust whoever I want, including my beautiful wife, and not have to uh, smell the consequences myself. But on the other side of that coin, um, not to get too sappy, but... God dang, this, it sucks. I can't even smell my wife. I can't smell her perfume or her shampoo or just, you know, her. Um, I can't smell 
my puppy Luna, and I can't even smell my stupid cat's breath whenever he comes in the bathroom after I open the shower curtain, refusing to move until I bend down and let him lick my nose. It's weird. I don't like it, but it's a thing that he does. But even then, I can't even smell that stupid cat's breath. God, I love him. He's an adorable, adorable pain in the ass, but Speaking of my cat, uh, we talk about poop sometimes on this episode, on this show, on this show. My cat, Sully, who's laying here beside me, got real sick a few weeks ago, and we didn't think he was going to make it. Um, he went over the series of about a week, becoming very lethargic, throwing up, puking his uh, poor little kitty guts out. He wasn't able to keep anything down for like five days. Um, he was very lethargic. His eyes were turning kind of gray. He's got these really pretty green eyes and his eyes just turn like this really sad gray and his uh, eyelids kind of begin sagging a little bit. And right about the day we kind of thought that he was about to bite it, um, he started showing signs of improvement. And after about five days of just hiding and, you know, trying to be by himself and, uh, just basically living off of water and a little bit of tuna juice that he would uh, be able to keep down. Um, suddenly he made giant leaps and bounds of improvements and I'll save you the gory details, but basically what had happened was this, I call him an asshole because he is, don't get me wrong. I love my cat. I truly, truly do. He's a really um, beautiful cat. He can be a sweetheart when he wants to be, but he's also an asshole. This cat is more like a billy goat or a dog, and he will eat garbage, he will eat trash, and his favorite thing to dine on is plastic. This tuxedo cat son of a gun will eat plastic bags, shopping bags, wrappers, straws, all sorts of crap, plastic baggies, anything plastic, tape, Ribbon off of presents, wrapping paper, anything plastic or acetate or... Oh, I can't think of the word right now because my brain's still kind of foggy from this stupid shit. Um, they make balloons out of it. Gosh dang it. Anyway, what had happened was we had our niece's birthday here uh, not too long ago. Um, a couple of days before he started getting sick. Uh, oops. And he also apparently likes to eat mylar. That's the word I was looking for, folks, mylar. He likes to eat mylar streamers. After about a week of him moping around, us thinking he was about to kick the bucket, he had eaten a four-foot piece of mylar streamer. Purple mylar streamer, to be exact. And see, the whole thing went down. Sorry, I, I know I can tell a story. Um, any which way but loose, but especially right now, my brain being kind of foggy and mushy. Um, I didn't put this little part in there. We were on vacation when this happened, so it's not like we were sitting here for five days watching this poor cat suffer. No, we were on vacation um, over the course of a long weekend, and we weren't here to be with him while he was sick. So anyway, we got back from vacation to find him actually improving from being sick. Any hoozle. The cat had eaten a four-foot piece of mylar ribbon. And now you think to yourself, gee, how did they discover he ate four whole feet of mylar? That has to be an exacerbation. He has to be just really hamming this up. Well, no, that's not quite true. 
I found a little bit of kitty puke, looked through it, and found a couple little chunks of plastic. Then, after not using the cat box to do anything besides pee in, I came home for lunch the day after we got home and found that my cat had taken the tiniest little dookie. And in that little dookie were about four little pieces of plastic. Two pieces that were two inches long, two pieces that were each three inches long. And I thought to myself, holy crap, <laughs> pun intended. This cat had just been backed up because he had eaten a couple pieces of ribbon. This is great. Our cat's going to be fine. Now, that night, he actually ate a little bit of food for the first time in almost six days. He didn't pass anything, but he also didn't throw up. The next day, about 24 hours later, I came home on my lunch again to check on Sully Cat to discover what I will only describe as a melted king-size Tootsie Roll in his cat box, to which when I got home from work, I put on some gloves, got some hot water, dropped it in there, bada-boom, bada-bing, I discovered an entire three-foot-long piece of Mylar ribbon. Somehow, the kitty gods cashed in, I'm going to say probably two of his nine lives, and allowed him to somehow pass a giant three-foot-long clump of ribbon. Now, he would have eaten this Lady in the Tramp style, just, you know, inch by inch by inch, I don't know how it didn't obstruct his bowels or cut him or injure him in any way, but he passed it. I was, um, you know, inquisitive enough where I gloved up. I put two pairs of gloves on, guys, um, and a mask over my face because I'm sure it probably smelled horrible. And I discovered a three-foot-long piece of mylar. Now, what's bizarre about this, and that's the last of the gross stuff, the mylar ribbon that um, I had found was kind of this goldish-green color, almost translucent. The Mylar streamer that he ate was metallic purple. So not only was he sick with this, you know, metallic Mylar obstruction in his belly, we're pretty sure he was tripping balls for like five days on the purple dye that his stomach must have leached completely clean off of this Mylar, which explains why he was probably droopy-eyed and his eyes were a whole different color because he was A, incredibly malnourished, and B, I'm sure he is probably poisoned uh, from this dye. So, again, um, had we been home, we would have, of course, taken him to the vet immediately once we realized he was sick, but we just we weren't home and weren't able to do it. But um, oddly enough, uh, he's 100% tip-top shape again. He has made an incredible recovery, and he's back to his old um, asshole-ish ways, and uh, we're very thankful for that. So, cheers to Sully Cat and his recovery. Anyway, that's enough about cat poop, and I promise on this episode I won't get all sappy on you like I did back on 210, although I do mean everything I said on that episode. Um, I have received quite a few people that have written me and messaged me and told me that they have done what I asked and, um, you know, reached out to people and said some kind words, called some friends, connected to old buddies and old pals and old girlfriends and stuff. And uh, that's awesome. Super thankful about that. That was my mission is to just maybe get someone, just anyone, just one person to just reach out and say hi to somebody and, and also to tell somebody, everybody, anybody what they mean to them. So I'm, I'm happy that uh, touched everybody. And uh, that was a mission accomplished. So anyway, 
Uh, admittedly, this episode's going to be kind of short. I'm going to ramble on, but not as much as I did last time when I was sick or back when I had the puppy flu. But I'll go ahead and share with you guys the strange news stories that I found that Preston and I were supposed to talk about this evening because I just don't think I want to hold on to him for too much longer until we record next time. And these are fun, and admittedly, it gives me a little bit of content. So it's not just me dropping in for 11 minutes to say hi and then bouncing back out. Now, we talk a lot about missing 411 cases and cases of people, you know, just disappearing out of nowhere. And a lot of times these stories have very sad or also um, unsolved endings. Well, I want to talk about a missing person case with a very strange epilogue. A missing man in Ankara, Turkey, had the shock of his life when he realized the adjunct search party he jumped into was a search party looking for none other than himself. Back on Tuesday, I believe on the 28th, a gentleman by the name of Bihan Mutlu, a 51-year-old, had been reported missing by his wife after she couldn't get a hold of him or locate him after a day-drinking expedition he took into the forest with a group of his friends. Behan, who lives in a little town called Inigal, in a northwestern province of Bursa, was not in any danger. He simply went out, got drunk, and passed out in an empty house out in the forest. The man and his buddies had gone out day-drinking, and on the way in, Behan didn't want to go home. He wanted to go investigate more of the forest, so when his friends turned around to start hiking back to the car, Behan mumbled something about finding an old house to fall asleep in and took off into the forest. Well, he passed out and said house, woke up the next morning, and started hiking his way back to civilization. <laughs> Upon his little trek back home, he discovered that there was a big search party searching the woods for a missing person. And so he thought to himself in his hungover state, you know what, it's the right thing to do if I... I went missing, I would hope somebody would come look for me. So he jumped in the tail end of the search party and started looking for a body or a person or whatever. Now, as the trunk <laughs> as the hungover man started helping the search for the missing person for several hours, he finally realized the person they were looking for was himself. He only discovered this because a search party had been organized by several groups of first responders and volunteers, and slowly but surely he began to hear people calling out a name that he thought sounded very familiar. Once he realized that it was him whose name they were calling out, he shouted back, Hey, it's me, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here! And the people standing next to him looked really confused, thinking, Holy crap, this dude's been with us for the last couple hours. What the hell's going on? So he informed the first responders and the authorities in the search party that that was him. He was Bihan. He showed them identification cards and apologized profusely, saying he had no idea the person's name they were looking for. But it was him. Now, although this seems very improbable, this is not the first time that a missing person has joined their own search party. 
Apparently back in 2012, a tourist in Iceland had a similar experience after visiting the country's extraordinary volcanic region in southern Iceland. A woman who was visiting was on a tour bus with other tourists when the group was given a certain amount of time to explore the Asia Canyon, which is a popular nature-loving tourist attraction. Now, the tourist was reported missing after she failed to return within the allotted time and didn't make it back to the bus after the driver waited for an extra hour past the time they were supposed to leave. So, shortly after, a search team descended upon the area and all the tourists aided in the search party. <laughs> shortly after, the missing tourist joined up with the group, unbeknownst to her, that was looking for her. Hours after the search had begun, it was called off when the authorities discovered that the woman had been on the bus with the search party. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, what do you do? Now, luckily in these cases, nobody has to face any kind of, you know, charges or fees or, you know, even tickets for this kind of thing. But... Speaking of tickets and charges and felonies, let's jump into a strange story that took place in Texas, where a woman received a very nasty shock of her life while she was trying to update her married name. Karen McBride, a 52-year-old, made a shocking discovery during a trip to the DMV when the former Oklahoma resident was trying to get her last name changed after getting married. She says, I went to change my driver's license during this whole COVID thing, and they make you make an appointment. And when I came to my appointment to update my last name, they told me I had a warrant issued out for my arrest in my old town in Oklahoma. Now, McBride was mystified. She called the number that the DMV had given her to contact the Cleveland County District Attorney's Office. During the conversation with the office, McBride was floored to discover she was actually a wanted felon. She said, the first thing they told me that I was a... The first thing they told me was that I was a felon for embezzlement. So I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Then she learned of the crime she had committed. They told me I was a wanted felon over embezzlement from a VHS tape that I had rented and had never returned. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Kids, once in a while, years ago, you had to go to a movie rental store to rent something called a VHS tape if you wanted to watch a movie. She says, apparently in 1999, someone had rented a copy of Sabrina the Teenage Witch in McBride's name from an Oklahoma video store called Movie Place. After no one returned the VHS tape, charges were soon filed. So according to court documents, McBride was charged in March of 2000 for felony embezzlement over the non-return of a rented property. The charges stated McBride, quote, did willfully, unlawfully, and felonously embezzle a certain one video cassette tape for Sabrina the Teenage Witch with a value of $58.59. McBride was stunned that not only she had not remembered ever renting a cassette tape for Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but that she would not have returned it. She said, I never watched that show in my entire life. It's just not my cup of tea. But meanwhile, I'm a wanted felon for this VHS tape? I mean, 
I didn't try to deceive anybody. I didn't even watch Sabrina, I swear. Now she absorbed the shocking news that dawned on her that such a thing could have happened because of a roommate she had. She said over 20 years ago, she lived with a young man who had two daughters, one the age of eight and the other one that was 10 or 11 years old. So she went on to say she imagines he must have rented the VHS tape under her name and then never took it back. The more she thought of it, the more things begin to make sense over the course of her life. She says ever since late 1999, she'd been fired from a handful of jobs and her employers had never given her a reason. She just thought to herself, I'd apply for a job, start working, and then shortly after my criminal background check, I would be fired. She said, all I can think now is every single time they ran my name, two words came up, felony embezzlement. Now, fortunately, it seems that McBride won't be a felon for much longer. The Cleveland County District Attorney's Office has announced they would be dismissing the case against her. However, she will still need legal intervention to have the felony charges cleared from her record. Wow! That is insane. But what's even stranger is the fact that she rented this, supposedly, quote-unquote, back in 1999. The rental store she went to called Movie Place closed in 2008. That's nuts. Ugh. But apparently she wasn't the only person in history to be accidentally charged for keeping a VHS tape past the return date. Surprisingly, in 2016, a North Carolina man was arrested for failing to return a VHS cassette he rented in 2008 for the famous Tom Green film, Freddy Got Fingered. The man was arrested after being pulled over for a busted taillight, only for the officer to find out he had a warrant out for his arrest. Holy guacamole. Now, the final news story for today. I'm going to ask you guys a strange question. Did you ever hear the old story about Pablo Escobar's hippos? Some of you might know and some of you might not. But basically, we all kind of have an idea who Pablo, Pablo Escobar was, right? Famous drug dealer. Well, in the late 70s, at this giant estate that he had, he had four hippos flown into his property for this menagerie or quote-unquote zoo that he had on his private compound. Now, after he was killed in 1993, these four hippos were deemed to be quote-unquote too big and too bothersome to actually remove while his property was being dismantled and people were just taking stuff here and there. So, strangely enough, these hippos were just left to fend for themselves in this abandoned property. Well, oddly enough, by 2007, the animals had multiplied from 4 to 16 and begun roaming this area in Colombia near the Magdalena River. Then later, in 2014, they went from being 16 hippos to 40 40 freaking hippos. 
And then by December 2019, it's estimated to be around 90 to 100 hippos, with their range covering somewhere around 870 square miles. And the problem with this is hippos weren't quite native to that land, supposedly. And so you have fishermen out just trying to do fisherman stuff. You have farmers out doing farmer stuff, saying they were encountering these hippos that were getting pissed off and charging them. So with that comes the Colombian government. Now, people were trying to figure out exactly what to do with these hippos, right? Like, do you run in and just shoot them? Well, you're not supposed to because hippos are a protected species. So a couple had uh, a couple problems had arisen where hunters had gone out and killed hippos and then gotten a lot of trouble for just shooting wild hippos. Well, next scientists said maybe what we should do is just find these hippos and sterilize them, allowing them to live their lives basically carefree, but not allowing them to procreate. And then over the course of another, you know, so many years, they'll just die out and bada boom, bada bing, we'll no longer have this near 20 year hippo epidemic that we have in Colombia. Well, in the news, this coming from HuffPo, more than 80 hippopotami, hippopotamuses, previously owned by Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar, have been given a unique distinction in United States law. They will be known as the first ever non-human creatures to legally be considered people. That's right. Stay with me. The U.S. District Court of the Southern District of Ohio recognized the late Pablo Escobar's infamous cocaine hippos now as legal persons for the first time in the United States. This ruling came out on October 15th, the same day the Animal Legal Defense Fund filed for an application on behalf of the hippo plaintiffs in Colombia, which was intended to stop the country's government from killing the animals. The ALDF announced the decision in a news release on Wednesday. The hippos are descendants of four illegally imported hippos by Escobar. They were set free after his death in 1993, and since then the hippos have increased in their numbers up to 80 possible hippos, maybe more. However, scientists are saying the influx of hippo in the ecosystem has been wrecking havoc. But other scientists are arguing they may actually be restoring ecological functions that were lost for thousands of years due to, quote, human-driven extinctions. In July, Colombian attorney Luis Domingo Gomez Maldonado filed a lawsuit on behalf of the animals to save them from being killed, saying sterilization may be a better option than straight-up killing them all. Although Colombia law gives non-human creatures legal standing to bring lawsuits to protect their interests, the country's legal system can't compel someone in the U.S. to produce documents supporting the case. But the U.S. laws also allow interested persons in Colombia to go to the U.S. federal court to seek ability to obtain documents and testimony, enter the ALTF, who applied for the hippo's rights to compel two Ohio wildlife experts who study non-surgical sterilization to provide testimony on behalf of the hippo plaintiffs. It's obvious that animals actually do have legal rights. For example... They have the right to not be cruelly abused or killed. 
but a legal right is only valuable as one's right to enforce that legal right. The legal rights system does not have precedence for animals' interests directly appearing in court. There's no precedent for animals having a legal right standing to enforce their own rights. My God, I'm not smart enough to even know what that means. The ALDF released on Wednesday a statement saying the testimony of wildlife experts Elizabeth Berkeley and Richard Berlinski would be used to support the use of a contraceptive called PZP. They'll use PZP to chemically sterilize the hippos. Wow. What a roller coaster. So yeah, I don't know if you knew about the old story of the uh, cocaine hippos, but if you don't, now you do. And it's nice to hear that hippos who never even asked to be brought to Colombia are going to be protected. Wow. It's like a Disney movie. Anyway, there you go, folks. I, I truly, truly, truly hate this episode. It's so short. I feel like we haven't had too many um, real deep dives uh, in the last several episodes, and so I want to remedy that. So I just say, please um, be patient with us, guys. We love you. We're so happy you're here. And <laughs> once we get all this mess sorted out, we'll be back and bigger than ever because we've got some great stuff written. We've got some great shows. We've got some great surprises coming up. We just got to get these freaking stars to align again, and we got to get Preston's internet back up too. Golly jeepers. So anyway, I just want to say on behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, thanks for all the kind words. Um, we got another really great um, little message sent to us not too long ago, but I want to wait and read it on in the episode with both the guys on here, so I'll definitely have some fun stuff to read from listeners of the show on upcoming episodes. Now... What I want to do is say this. This is supposed to be spooky month. We're supposed to have all sorts of episodes on weird shit and creepy shit and strange stories and everything else. So we're going to probably make a super spooky November, first of all. And next, I'd like to say, I know we got tons of new listeners. We would love to hear your personal paranormal stories. So please send us your personal ghost stories, alien stories, maybe you saw Bigfoot, uh, maybe you woke up one night to find an elf sitting on your chest or a couple fairies trying to steal some grapes or some milk out of your kitchen. How about you send those, oops, hit my microphone, sorry. How about you send those stories to us because we would love to hear from you. Now you have a couple different ways you can send this over to us by. You can send it over via Google Voice at 913-662-3144. That's our Google Voice number where you can call and leave us a voicemail. Now, crappily enough, I think you can only leave up to like a two and a half, maybe a three minute voicemail. So if you call to leave a message, I hate to say make it quick, but if it's going to be longer or you get cut off, just call right back, jump back into your story. I can splice it together whenever we put that into the episode. Now, if that doesn't work for you, or you don't want to, you know, have your voice on the episode, that's fine. You can send us an email to pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com, and you can always remain anonymous. That's all you got to do is tell us, hey, please don't share my name. Hell, don't even give us your name. That's fine, too. We can just make up a name for you, or we can just say, a listener, in quotes, sent us a story. That would be awesome. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us a DM, a PM, or whatever the kids are calling it these days. If you know us personally, you can shoot us personal messages too, and we can just, uh, you know, keep you 
anonymous or let us know if you want us to share your name. It doesn't matter. We just want to hear the weird shit that happened to you guys. Now, with that, I think it's time for me to close out on this episode. Again, super sorry for short episodes, guys. We're going to get back into it. <sighs> just stay with us. Just, just keep on keeping on, please. Check us out on the Instagram, PXLParanormal. That's where all the good stuff can be found. Our posts, our pictures, our companion guides to certain episodes that have photos to look at. PXLParanormal on the old Instagram Speaking of Instagram, if you'd like to check out the fun stuff that I do, um, every October I do a series of illustrations. They're portraits for mostly horror movie characters called Creepy Cinema Creeps. I do one portrait every day for the month of October. My handle is Sean Swope. That's right, at Sean Swope. S-H-A-W-N-S-W-O-P-E. Come check out what I do. I, I do a lot of fun little stuff there. If you're a horror fan, then maybe you'll dig it. If you're not a horror fan, you might still dig it. But yeah, come give me a follow on the old Instagram. Follow me and hell, follow the show too, right? Boom, boom, bang, bang. We're also on Facebook where a lot of you have found us. The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast on Facebook. Now, Preston normally has a fun little... um improv that he drops in here for Big Dob's Beard Bomb. I don't. I just like to say, if you have a beard, if you know a beard, if you want to grow a beard, please check out our good friend BigDobsBeardBomb.com. Use the promo code P-X-L-P-A-R-A for 20% off your entire order. He sells Beard Bomb. He sells beard oil, beard soap, and some other fun stuff on there. Hats, shirts, galore. So yeah, check them out. I swear by it. Preston swears by it. Steve swears by it. And who knows, maybe we'll have a meeting in person with old Dobbs and Mrs. Dobbs, and we'll get some great content from them. That would be great. If you're in the Wichita area, please check out our friend Leslie and the gang down at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. I think that about does it. So, until next time, folks, on behalf of Stephen and Preston, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.